Life is often so busy, taking us here, there, seemingly everywhere. When you are unable to make it to church, we hope you are fed and nourished by listening to the preaching of God's Word wherever you are at the moment. In the meantime, take care and God bless. to Calvary, pay this price to all my guilt. Let us pray. God, you are so amazing that so many things get in our way that keep us from you, from hearing you, from seeing you in our world. So help us to say no to things that distract us from you, things that keep us from spreading your love and receiving your love in this world. There are so many people who are hurting in our world today, Lord, and we ask that you surround them. We pray for the earthquake relief efforts in Turkey and Syria. We pray for the Palestinian village of Ohio. We pray for those affected by violence at the Harding High School. Surround them with your comfort. Let them know that you are there and provide them strength. We are in a month where we pay tribute to black history. Help us to remember their stories, help us to hold their stories close to us and help us to make room for black voices in our lives and in our spaces. We pray for those who are needing healing, who are sick, who are alone or grieving or any way that they need you. We pray for Kathy Burnside, Melody, Harriet, Dave Allen, Nancy Anderson. We pray for the family and friends of the Knott family. 
be with people as they grieve, be with people as they celebrate lives and people who get better through your healing power. We pray all of this knowing that you are the one that changes our lives and that you help us carry on each day. And now gather us into one with the Holy Spirit to pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our reading comes from Luke 4. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. And the devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, it is written, one does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, to you, I will give their glory and all this authority for it has been given over to me and I will give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. So before I get to my sermon about saying no, I have to go back to my sermon about saying yes two weeks ago. And you're thinking, no, don't do that. That sermon was long enough. It just... Let it live in perpetuity. You don't have to bring it up again. However, it's not my fault. It's the fault of a high school student, a very bright high school student that after the nine o'clock service, I sojourned from here to the donut room. The donut room is that room where we eat donuts. It used to be called the fellowship hall, but if we don't have donuts, we don't have fellowship. So it's called the donut room. But I walked into the donut room. I was about four steps in. And this very bright, this very energetic and great high school youth came up to me and said, well, Pastor Lillier, just a point of clarification. That saying yes to people, I can see why it's important. However, how do you know that you're perhaps being someone's doormat? How do you know if you're being used by someone? And then what are the signs and signals? And I thought, we're in good hands. When people talk about they're scared for the future because the ones who are in high school are now going to be leading the world, I'm scared and I'm tired of really old people who serve us on a national level. They're not doing a very good job. 
maybe we should give it to high school kids. Because she came up and said something that knocked my socks off. And then I thought, maybe there are other people who are doing the same thing in their mind. And so I thought we should have some things for you to consider. Don't should on yourself. Again, I want to quote myself until someone quotes me. Don't should on yourself. As a good Christian, I should have. As a good Christian, I should. When I talk to people, when I do some counseling, I tell them that should is a word that's not good because it's based in shame. Also, as a good Christian, what is that? I don't, I don't know what that is. If you're Lutheran, we don't say I'm a good Lutheran because there are no bad Lutherans. We don't grade ourselves, but we often grade ourselves. So don't shoot on yourself. Being a follower of Jesus doesn't mean that you're a doormat, as if people are allowed to think and rationalize. I ask you because I know that you're supposed to say yes. Being loving and forgiving and merciful is not being weak. It's being strong. Someone pushes you, we push back. Boy, that was hard, wasn't it? We really had to dig deep for that one. But you know, I can't tell you all the warning signs, but you know if someone's using you, you're being used. And you know you're also not doing them a favor either. So you have to think about it. But it's not something that's just clear to all people at all times. Some basic guidelines say no if something is not aligned with your morals and values and belief system. Say no if it will, you will bring harm and suffering and pain upon someone else. Say yes if it helps. Say yes if it brings joy. Say yes if it's something that God has asked you to do and to be. And I know you're thinking, duh. I know all that. Do we act like it? I didn't really, I forgot that it was wrong for me to steal from work, but I needed the money. Well, I know it's against my morals and values, but the temptation got too much. Or if we harm someone with our words or the lack of words, bring joy. If that, you're deciding upon something, will it make someone's day brighter? Then say yes. Point number one. Say no to what does not build up. At their best, Christians serve and support and unify. At their worst, Christians deny, judge, and separate. These are my words. You don't have to holistically buy in. But I've been redacting this week. I've been winnowing this week. I've been thinking about me and this old theological mind that I have in this new world and trying to think about what we are to be about as Christians. And there are other words, but I actually like these. I'm married to these words. I chose these words over a lot of other words that I think at our best, we serve others. We support others and we unify. At our worst, as a Christian, we deny, we judge, and we separate. And we are not just one big, huge team, by the way, Team Christian. 
where we all do and stand for the same thing. There are people I've, I've met is that we gotta tell them that the way they're living is wrong and we need to change them. And I'm thinking, no, are you their mom and dad? No, then stop it. One without sin cast the first stone. We all live in glass houses. There's only one judge and we're not it. I'm not sure if you've noticed, but society is full of division. Anybody notice that? Huh? We kind of awkwardly laugh. Uh-huh. We have red and blue. I saw a football poll of people and for whom they're cheering, and it, it, it had red and blue states of who voted for which political candidate, and then they juxtapositioned it to see if there's any correlation between who they voted for and who they're rooting for in the Super Bowl. You gotta let go. You have to do better. As a media, you have to do better. You wonder why we're divided when we look at a football game? Really? We're so divided in red and blue that we actually have a football pole that's connected to it. We have white and BIPOC. We have pro and we have anti. We have for and against. We have holy and not holy. And this list could go on and on and on. And we are continuing to just be watered down and divided more and more. Here's what I clearly understand to be our number one priority when dealing with people, even Packer fans. I want you to know that this is a big deal. This is ginormous. This is jihugic if they're included as well in the kingdom of God. We are called to love everyone all the time, no matter what. We are called to love everyone all the time, no matter what. The thing is, the earthly Jesus had compassion for everyone. The earthly Jesus was always merciful and full of grace. Time and time again, the earthly Jesus clearly showed that the children of God, that those who followed are called to live lives that serve and support and unify, not deny, judge, and separate. Now, you're going to want me right now to tell you and those who are listening online exactly what you should serve and support and deny and all those other things. I wasn't born last night. I was born at night. But I also know that we're going to go to different spheres of life. But as a Lutheran, I hope we've taught you how to love and serve your neighbor, all your neighbors. And if something in someone in your neighborhood or in your workplace or in your life is not building up someone else and you know that it's not right and you know that it does not bring joy, then you say no to that. Because we got to stand for something. And we stand for the children of God. And we stand for all people. Point number two, saying no to yourself. And you're thinking to yourself, come on. Come on, Lilliard. I don't want to deny myself. And I know 
I know you read the email. I, I, it's probably a fake email because I, I know I signed off on it, but then I wrote my sermon and I, I thought and I prayed about what I wanted to say and I know that you're expecting one of my points to be so I'm going to tell you that you're doing some things in life you don't want to do and so I'm going to give you permission of how to say no to them so you can say a resounding yes to other things. I don't know your life. I don't know if you're taking care of your parents or your, or your in-laws or you have a bad aunt or you have a troubled this or that. I don't, I don't know the intricate part of your life to give you that. And so I also thought, one of the things I always kind of pride myself on is that you think I'm going to say something or go a certain direction in my sermon. I like to go like that. Just because I like to go like that. Because it also keeps us on our toes. And so saying no to yourself, here's what I mean. And if you're wondering, I see a couple furrowed brows. They're like, get on with it, Lillard, get to the point. If you've never had self-doubt, if you've never wondered if you're good enough or holy enough or smart enough or kind and caring enough, if you're always self-assured about your looks, your weight, and the overall condition of your soul, this point is not for you. I give you permission to take out your smartphone and Google. Ignore me because you have it all figured out. You're all that in a bag of chips. You are vitalized. The rest of you who are like me, who stumble over these things, right here. Okay? Because this might be for you. We are who we believe we are. If you ever wonder, what can I read that I know will be good? Grab something by C.S. Lewis. That dude was great. He had some science fiction stuff where I'm like, eh, I'm not sure about that. But he fills my cup. You have to believe in yourself before anybody else believes in you. This person, anonymous, really smart, thought of a lot of different quotes, but I don't know who to thank. Always remember, you are braver than you believe, stronger than you seem, and smarter than you think. The great philosopher Christopher Robin. But I need a little bit of sage advice. So, principally, say no to the voices that tell you you're not good enough. Say no if you think you're not worthy of. Say no to the voices that tell you that you will never be and never get and never become. Am I the only one in this room? Am I the only one listening to this? That you ever wonder about these things? We put our shoulders back and we have a confident gait and then we tell things with authority and then we're hoping that everyone believes in what you're saying and what you're doing. And if you lead anything, leading is hard. Because we're not perfect, we're not always right, and a lot of people are not good at following. They follow the things they want to hear. Sometimes they want to follow you and sometimes they just want to go to the front. And sometimes, as the front of this church, I'd like to go to the back, too. But you have self-doubt. Do you? I do. 
When I begin to think that I'm not enough, I think of Jesus and my mom and Joy and Jacob and Rachel and Matthew and Ruby. That's a lot, but I'm going to go one at a time. I'll start with Jesus, my main man. Jesus always thinks I'm awesome, even when I'm not. Even if a sermon kind of like, ah, Jesus is like, good work, good work. Ah, point two was a little weak, but love it. Jesus is always your biggest fan because he gets you. He understands. He lived a human life as well. Segue to this. Today, my guess is you're going to watch yet another Super Bowl when the Minnesota Vikings are not present. And you're going to feign interest and you're going to make up games and you're going to wonder what's going to happen, but you're going to watch commercials, right? Usually it's the best part of the game, or at least the things we pay closest attention. Well, there is a marketing campaign that's been going on for quite a while that's entitled He Gets Us. This anonymous group has already spent a lot of money advertising on football games. I watch every football game I have time for, and I have to say, when I've seen this, because I'm a theologian, all of a sudden I'm watching this nationally televised football game, and all of a sudden it says, Jesus was a refugee. I'm like, what? That's not a beer commercial. Then they had another one that said that Jesus was a rebel, that he fought against the authority. And I know my Bible, that's right. And you know what? Jesus was a refugee. Hmm, two for two. Another one, Jesus is inclusive. They have people of color, they have people getting along, not getting along, and I'm thinking, whoa, Jesus is in the NFL. Today they're going to have two spots. This anonymous group is going to spend $20 million for today. And you know, because we have red and blue and all those other things, is that we have kerfuffles going on because those who go and look in the internet, the people who are anonymous, they think they know who it is, and chances are they're evangelicals because evangelicals will certainly spend more money than the company I work for to talk about Jesus. And because of that, all this discussion about, well, is it right? Should we believe it? And the only one who's really laughing in the end is the devil. Because a bunch of people who believe in Jesus are fighting about whether or not somebody should be talking about Jesus. Now, I'll tell you this, is that for me, the jury is still out. I've been a theologian for 30-some years. I don't fall for anything. I know that there are a lot of churches out there who don't propagate the same message that we have. However, this group is going to spend $1 billion over the next three years telling people about Jesus. And you can agree or not agree, but I have the microphone. And I'm thinking that if they say he was a rebel, that he was an immigrant, that he understands my feelings, that he's inclusive, until I hear something that I don't believe to be true and somebody in this zip code or somebody here or around St. Andrew hears that message and they might want to come to church, I say amen. Because as they sang, we will tell you about our Jesus. One more thing before I rest my case. 
Churches all across this country, all across this world, talk about their understanding of Jesus all the time. And they have ever since Jesus walked the earth. Nothing is different. But I believe that today there'll be two times and if they cross that line and it doesn't build up, if it's not about serving, if it's about judging, then I'm off the bandwagon. But I don't need to hear more about Budweiser. I don't need to hear about mayonnaise. I don't need to hear about someone who's going on vacation. I and other people need to hear about Jesus. And if they come here, we will say, all are welcome, all are valued. And if more come, I say amen. My mom. How long am I going to talk about my mom? Until I retire. And then I'm going to tell people at the coffee shop. Because when I doubt myself, I think about my late mother who's in heaven going, you can do it, you can do it. I was a very interesting child to raise. And she always thought I was perfect, even though I was hard to find and hard to get into behavioral patterns. But even now I know my mom's going, you can do it, you can preach, you can lead, you can parent, you can be a husband, I know you can do it. Which leads me to joy, and I'll, I'll, I'll be careful because she's here. But when I was uh, married 27 years ago, I was, I was, I was rough. I wasn't rough as, I mean, I was civilized. Uh, I've always been a pretty decent bloke, but I was kind of a, a, a bag of wind. Kind of like I could say it. But whether or not I actually followed through on all the things that God gave me the tongue to say. And I, anything I've become, anything that I am to you, the leader that I am, I hope to be. The things I do that are right, I owe to my wife because she's made me so much better. Not always welcomed, not always fun. Feel me? But there are times when this job assails me. There are times when people assail me. And sometimes I just do things wrong. I get it. But there are times when things just happen and I have my biggest cheerleader in my wife. That's our role as spouses, when you doubt yourself, if you have a spouse who thinks you're a rock star, then channel that. And our three kids, they think I'm awesome. They always think I'm awesome, and I always think they're awesome, and it's a mutual admiration society. They're here. I don't want to talk about it. I'll cry. I'll cry. Because they complete me. And when I doubt myself, and it's not all the time. I don't want you to think that. They're my cheering gallery. And then, to lighten it up a little bit, I have Ruby. Look at that. I am perfect to her. The only thing I do wrong is on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Sunday, I come here to work. And she's like, where are you going? But then I come back, and she'll say, you're so awesome. Now, Amidst the tears and sentimentality, I'm not telling you that you have to lean on my family. I'm telling you who are the people upon whom you lean. Because we doubt ourselves. But say no to your own doubt. 
But if that doesn't work, and sometimes it doesn't, think about the people who truly love you and say, I think you're awesome. I think you're awesome, and you can do it. Point number three, say no to the devil. As Pastor Sarah read, the devil said, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. You need, whenever you read the Bible, you have to read what happens before, you have to read what happens after. What happens before this is that Jesus is baptized. And so Jesus has John the baptizer like, I want you to preside over my baptism, which would have been cool. And they go into the River Jordan, they baptize, and then when he's baptized, the heavens open, and then a dove comes by, and that had to be cool. I've never seen that happen here. And then the voice of God says, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And I'm thinking this week that I've baptized kids like for 31 years and that's never happened. It'd be really cool. We'd probably all faint and we'd go see a therapist. But that happened and then usually what happens with a baptism is people will say, come on over to our house, we're going to have a party. We're going to have cake. It's not for the babies. Babies don't eat cake. It's for the adults. So Jesus gets done with this baptism. I'm setting this up. You feel me? And he gets baptized, and God's like, yep, you and me, you're awesome. And Jesus is like, where is the party and where is the cake? And God says, I want you to go into the desert. Where? The desert. Like, like that place that's, uh, yep, barren, yep. And I want you to, for 40 days, not eat anything. So Jesus was half divine, half human. I don't completely understand that. I'm just thinking that the part of Jesus that was human after 40 days was hungry. You ever been like really, really hungry and you think, I would love a loaf of hot bread from Panera? So Jesus and Satan have to do a duel, WWE, to fight who in the world is going to control the world and the people within. The devil said, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Smart move. Yes? <gasps> is it Panera? Yes. You have butter? Sure do. Is it hot? It will melt that butter. What does Jesus say? No. It is written, one does not live by bread alone. Jesus one, devil zero. Then the devil showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and said, all of this is mine to give away. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Anyone here went to Augsburg like me, a great school, so you're really smart and you read it carefully? What's implicit? What's inherent in here? All of this is mine, says the devil, to give away. And if you worship me, I'll give it to you. Every single time, look it up. When somebody said something heretical, when someone said something that was not biblically or true, Jesus said, I beg to differ. Jesus didn't say that here, which means the devil has a lot of property. The devil has a lot of power because Jesus didn't refute it. But Jesus said, no, I worship and serve God and God alone. So according to my hockey game, it's two, Jesus Zero devil. The devil then took Jesus up to the top of a temple and said, jump off and see if God will protect you. Do you believe? 
Do you believe? Come on, do you believe? I think you can probably hit the other side of the street if you try hard. Jesus said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus, three, devil, zero, game over. However, when the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until a more opportune time. Okay. Okay. I want you to know the devil is alive and well. Walter Sundberg, a great former history professor at Luther Seminary, said the devil wants you to think that the devil doesn't exist anymore. The devil was alive in the Bible. The devil is not a dude in a red suit with a pitchfork. The devil exists in all that is wrong and evil and hurtful. The only one who can always defeat the devil is Jesus. So there's a Sunday school class and they were talking about the devil. So chances are it probably wasn't the Lutheran church because we usually don't have sessions in Sunday school about the devil. Can you imagine? You know, you put your little cherubic angel, your grandchild or something in the back. It's like, oh, what did you talk about today? Oh, we talked about Satan. Oh, really? Yeah, we're not going back. But since the devil's real, you want to talk about something that's real. So the teacher says, well, let's just uh, let's think of a scenario here. Let's think of a case that you're in your living room and all of a sudden the devil knocks on your front door. And because you have ring, you can see it's the devil. What will you do? Yes. I'd run and hide. I'd go underneath my bed or I'd hide in my closet. Good answer. I would go and I would cling to my mom and dad and I would stay wherever they are. Good answer. Yep. I'd call the police. Oh, 911, never a bad option. I mean, go ahead. I'd send my brother. You'd what? I'd send my brother, she says with a little wry grin because she doesn't like said brother. Hmm. Awkward pause. Yes. I'd go to the door. You'd what? I'd go to the door. Why would you feel like you could go to the door? Well, I wouldn't go alone. You remember a couple weeks ago, teacher, you, you said that Jesus is in my heart. That Jesus is always with me, in front of me, and back of me, and beside me. Mm -hmm. Well, I'd take all that, and I'd go to the front door. And then when I open up the door, the devil will see that Jesus is all around me and with me and in my heart, and the devil will go somewhere else. Not in a man with a red suit and horns. But when people are heaping evil upon other people, and you and I can say, no. But the first thing we do is we say, help me, Jesus. You say yes to Jesus because Jesus said yes to us. And then we have the intestinal fortitude. Then we have the desire. Then we have the impetus. Then we have that hankering to say, I need to do something because I'm a child of God. Let me tell you, let me show you my Jesus. That's what you do, that's what I do when we live out our faith in daily life, the mission statement of this Lutheran 
church. The good news is, this is the last service of our last segment of changing your life. So the good news is, you can coast for the next two months and you don't have to change or improve in any way, shape, or form. But I kid because I have to wrap it up at the end and say the only way that we can change, improve, and be the embodiment of a little slice of Christ in our life is when Christ shines through us. So if it builds up, brings joy, is what we're called to do and be from God, say yes. If it doesn't bring joy, if it doesn't help, if it doesn't make the world and the people within a little bit better, say no. So help us, God. Amen. We hope you found this week's message helpful as you think about how you will live out your faith each day. If you would like to support the ministries at St. Andrew Lutheran Church, you can do so by having your credit card information available and then texting a gift to 952-260-9007. Thank you, and God bless.